Wasn't that a beautiful song? Said everything I was going to say, so we're just going to have a prayer and go. Okay, ready? No. Not going to get off that easy. What did you say? Did you knew that? Oh, sorry. Okay. Now, that was a beautiful song. A lot of truth in that song. We came here today to celebrate and worship God. It's a holiday weekend. Everybody had a good holiday. Everybody went to the fireworks. This weekend is to celebrate the Declaration of Independence, which was ratified by Congress on July 4, 1776. But the war had already been going on for over a year by that point. Lexington and Concord had already happened. Ticonderoga had already happened. The blood of the patriots had already been spilled. The people that wrote, the the men that wrote the Declaration of Independence, declaring to King George that we were no longer his subjects and we're no longer going to suffer under his tyranny, already knew what the price was going to be for our freedom. They already knew that freedom was going to require the shedding of blood. They knew that freedom was going to require sacrifice they'd already seen it it was already taking place these guys were realists they understood the truth they knew what was going to happen but the american revolution was not a given when these men stepped out on faith and signed their names to a document that would make them traitors in the eyes of the most powerful nation on earth They had nothing but the providence of God to fall back on. It was a ragtag army of militias with no formal training, no no uniforms, no standardized equipment. They had no navy, and they were taking on the most powerful nation in the world. They had only one power to rely on, and that was the power of God. They understood that gaining our freedom from England was going to cost blood and sacrifice. They understood that. And they understood that maintaining our freedom was going to require blood and sacrifice. There are many in this room who are still fighting to preserve that freedom. Those of us that have been in the military or are currently in the military and those of us that are going to deploy, bless you, We understand what sacrifice is. Now, obviously, we haven't given the ultimate sacrifice because we're here. But we've sacrificed our youth. We've sacrificed our freedoms. Do you realize what it takes to be a military member? Is you're voluntarily giving up your freedoms, the freedom to work where you want to work, the freedom to to live where you want to live, the freedom to wear the clothes you want to wear, the freedom to wear your hair the way you'd like to wear it. You're giving up voluntary voluntarily your civil liberties in the defense of something higher in the defense of the civil liberties of others that's what being in the military service is you're giving of yourself for something greater than yourself now we all swore an oath when we went into the military i'm gonna put it up on the screen we all swore an oath now us enlisted guys we swore this oath this was the oath of enlistment the officers among you, your, your uh, oath was a little bit different, but it contained a lot of the same verbiage. It says, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Isn't that remarkable? That oath is unique in the world. 
Because us in the military, and those of us that have been in the military, we're swearing an oath not to a king, not to a country, not to our state, but to a document, to an idea. To an idea that every man has value. All of us, you and I, we all have value. That's what America is founded on, the fact and the knowledge that we all have worth. Where did that idea come from? Let's look at a little bit of the Declaration of Independence. We'll kind of get an idea. Put it up here on the screen for you. I'm going to read just a little part of it. I just want to bring out some of the highlights of the Declaration. It says, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. And they went on to list 27 grievances. Further on, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that all are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They were all endowed by their Creator. And the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So how is it that all men have value? The founders of our country were godly men. Those that weren't outspoken members of their local church congregations at least grew up and lived in a society that honored God that understood Christian moral value, that understood that all men have value, that we are all made in the image of God. This is where your sermon notes pick up. How is it that every man has value? Why is that so important that we founded a nation on it? Well, the number one and most obvious point is we are all made in the image of God. In Genesis, first chapter of Genesis 27 and 28 it says so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created a male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over everything that moves upon the earth God created man in his image when you're looking at your fellow man you're looking at God not gods in themselves, but you're looking at the image of God. You're looking at a special creation of God set forth for His purposes and set forth to worship Him and to hold up His name forever. Also, we have value because we're cared for by God. The God that created us loves us and cares for us. I put up the 23rd Psalm. This is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. And I deliberately did it in the King James Version for, for Regina. No, I did it in the King James Version because it's so eloquent. I'd like everybody, if we could, read this along with me. 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does that sound like God loves you and cares for you, leads you behind, beside still waters? This to me is an image of a God that's reaching down from heaven and placing his hand on the people that he created. If God is willing to reach down and place his hand on the people that he created and the, and the people that I, I see every day and the people that I have relationships, don't you think that should make me value those same people? If my God and my Lord values them that much, then why shouldn't I? Every one of us has value. And further, God, the creator of the universe, the guy that breathed the stars into existence, loves me. And he loves you. And if God loves you that much, shouldn't I love you? Shouldn't I see the worth in you and the value in you? Now, it's real easy to see the worth and the value in me, obviously, right? Okay, and that wasn't really that funny, but I can see the worth and the value in me and I can see the worth and the value in my family because of course I love them. How easy is it for me to see the worth and the value and the love of God in the people I don't agree with? The people that aren't like me. How is it that I can see the love of God in the people that would fly airplanes into buildings because God demands it that's how we are loved by God first John 3 1 and 3 says see what love the father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him beloved we are God's children now it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure of course there's another verse that i didn't put on the slide because i didn't really think it was necessary anybody ever heard of john 3 16 has, has anybody heard that one okay let's do that together if we would for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life that's love and that's commitment god wants us to love each other and not only should we love each other out of our love for god and our communion with god but it's a commandment god has has called us to love each other we're all familiar with this verse matthew 22 36 through 40 Someone asked Jesus, they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This book, this book, the unbreathed word of God dwells on those two commands. 
That's pivotal. That's central to everything that's in this book. If you understand that, then you understand what God was, is saying. And you understand what this book is saying. And you understand why Christ came and, what he, and did what he did for us. We're commanded to love each other. And if we love each other, we're going to value each other. And that's going to, that's going to carry over into our daily lives. It's going to carry over into how we relate to each other. And it's going to carry over to how we treat one another in all aspects of life. The American ideal is that all men have value. There was a Frenchman that was observing the American Revolution, and he went back to France, and they asked him, you know, what are these Americans about? What, what are they doing? What, what is, what is the, the revolution about? What's central? And he said, central to the American ideal is, I may not agree with what you have to say, but I'm willing to die for your right to say it. We all have value. We enjoy the freedoms that we have. We enjoy the freedom that we can come here and worship today in the style of worship that we choose. It's not mandated by a church. It's not mandated by a government. It's not regulated by a government other than the tax law. Um, We value our freedom. We value the fact that we can do what we are called to do by God. And we can fulfill our potential for God and for man because of the freedoms that others have fought for and still fight for to maintain. It's important to us, and it's important to us as Christians because, and Christ said in Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Christ came to buy our freedom. Is that our freedom from tyranny? Yes. Is that our freedom from oppression? Yes. Is it freedom from a government? No, not necessarily. What Christ came to buy was a freedom from pride, freedom from sin, freedom from death. Christ came to win the ultimate freedom because he understood that freedom wasn't free. He understood that freedom would require sacrifice and blood to be shed. He understood that. He knew as the founding fathers knew that freedom required sacrifice and John 8 31 through 38 Jesus then said to the Jews who believed in him if you continue in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free they answered him we are descendants of Abraham and have never been in bondage to anyone how how is it that you say you will make you will we will be made free. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not continue in the, in the house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do, and you do what you have heard from your father. See, he understood. He understood that freedom required sacrifice and freedom wasn't free. And the founding fathers understood that because the same earth that tasted the blood of the patriots had already tasted the blood of the Savior. They had already had the model of sacrifice. They already understood that freedom required sacrifice and blood. Jesus came not to win our freedom from tyranny, 
of a government. Jesus came to win our freedom from the tyranny of sin. I've got one question for you this morning. I know we all enjoy our freedom. We all enjoy the freedoms that we we have in this country. But are you truly free? Yeah, you're free to, to, to live where you want to, to work where you want to. You're free to worship as you choose, but are you free? Are you free from sin? Are you free from death? Have you accepted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ laid out for you? That he came and he sent his only begotten son to die for you? That God sent his only begotten son to die for you to win your freedom? Ask yourself that question. If the answer to that is yes, then you are truly free. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this time we can gather together in your name. We thank you for the freedom to be here this morning, to worship you in the way that we see fit. We thank you more than all these things, Lord. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. We thank you for the freedom that you purchased for us there. We thank you for all that you've done and given us and the true freedom that you bought on Calvary's tree. We thank you for all you are and all you've done. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.